0: Well, the world Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And today on the show, we've got actor, creator, uh, all-around amazing guy, Shane Salk. And we get into a whole lot of territory with this guy today. We get into uh, being a genie on a Disney cruise. We get into dyslexia. We get into the problem with I'm fine. We get into so many things. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to remind you that each and every Thursday, Coffee Over Suicide has a meetup. You can find us at meetup.com. Uh, It's just an informal get-together. Think about it like uh, group therapy without a therapist. Um, It's just me leading the group. Uh, And I'm a Labrador. I'm just a good-natured dog. So come hang out with me and some other good-natured dogs, and uh, it's a good time. Sometimes it gets real heavy. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. Um, It's always a pleasure. So come and check that out. Also, uh, I have been getting a couple of uh, interesting proposals from people, and I'm still taking ideas for how to advertise this show, how to uh, how to get how to get this thing to start rocking and rolling. Uh, Because as you may have guessed, um, pitching a show to people with the word suicide in the title, apparently uh, nobody wants it. Uh, But you do because you're here. So there you go. Tell your friends, tell everybody, get this show out to everybody, you know, and um, I really appreciate each and every one of you. Now, uh, a little bit of an update. The medication is still doing its job. I am pleased to announce that bupropion and uh, aripiprazole, commonly known as Welbutrin and Abilify, is the cocktail I'm on and it seems to be working. I have not had any suicidal thoughts or behaviors for the first time maybe in my life. Um, And it's kind of amazing. But I'll tell you what. I woke up in the morning a couple of days ago with the most incredible anxiety that I have ever felt in my life. And it kind of hasn't gone away. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I don't know. Has anybody ever dealt with that? Is anxiety one of the side effects that you get? I know that I'm having trouble sitting still. I know that I'm having trouble uh, with my, uh, my legs. Um, and so it's made me a little twitchy. But other than that, uh, I'll take those side effects over anything, honestly, because of how well this has been going for me. But that's enough about me. Uh, I, I don't want to take up any more time at the top of this thing. Let's go ahead and get into it with the amazing Shane Salk. Uh, If you haven't checked out his audio series, uh, it's labeled as a podcast, but it's more like a big budget Hollywood movie um, for your ears and for your brain. Um, It's called Carcerum, and you can check that out. We have links in the feed below if you are on a podcasting app, if you're on YouTube, all the links are everywhere. Go and get this everywhere that you get everything because it is well worth it. It is super cool. Go check it out. But before you do that, let's check in and listen to this amazing conversation with Shane Salk. Going Uh, as I've been kind of talking about lately, uh, I just started a new round of medicine, and after 17 years of going without a mood stabilizer, uh, I am now in a place where I'm waking up in the morning and the world has color.
1: (laughs) Congratulations! That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, You know, I'm I'm pretty grateful for the idea that I spent so long. Uh, working out coping mechanisms and all of that stuff uh, without it, because it made me pretty mentally strong and, you know, going to the brain gym, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I I just came to the conclusion the other day, why make things so hard for myself if I don't have to?
1: Yeah, we have forks. Why eat with your hand?
0: (laughs) That's... The best analogy I've heard all day, <laughs> uh,
1: and you know, <laughs> and I've heard I, a few. Yeah, I I totally understand all of it, and the I'm I've been on um, I'm on uh, antidepressant and a uh, anti anxiety medication for years, um, and the even if you don't have a you know a bias in yourself like you know, you meet somebody and you're like, I don't care, I, congratulations, you're on it. There's still something in you as mm-hmm. as a person that goes, but I really don't want to have to worry about it, or, yeah. you know, I can cope, or, and I, uh, uh, I, you know, that's, it's weird, it's like a, it's not a prejudice with other people, but it's a prejudice within yourself. Yes. Um, and you don't know how to handle it, I mean, how how do you talk yourself through that, but one of the things you said about like coping for the last 17 years and whatnot. Yeah. Um, for me, one of the most valuable things that I have discovered through my journey with all these things yeah, is coping mechanisms are great, but the, the self-awareness that you have to have on yourself to know that you need this coping mechanism at this time or that time or this is how I'm feeling or that's how I'm feeling is... Invaluable. Even once you once you start taking medication, that self awareness and just in existence of being in the world is something that is great. And that's not to say you shouldn't be on anything, but even when you start taking medication, that self awareness that you bring to that element of your life is very healthy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so necessary. I mean, it's you've because the medication is only going to take you so far. Uh, right. After that, it's up to you. I mean, you I know, mean, you can take medication uh, and it's not going to fix things uh, completely if you're just a stubborn asshole. I mean, it's, it's- <laughs> 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 you know, which- you've got some work to
1: do. Yeah, I, I like to say it gives you a baseline. Yeah. So, you know, my, you know, before I take things, my baseline was really low. And you're like, OK, you're always struggling to like you know, raise that, you know, you you walk at a, you know, three miles an hour. That's the average. Yeah. You walk at three miles an hour. Well, you take those mood stabilizers, or you, before you take those mood stabilizers, you know, you're walking at one mile an hour. Mm-hmm. And then if you get a crutch, you can walk at three miles an hour. Right. So it, it, you know, and then when you want to run, it's just that much easier because you're already starting at a lower, at, at a higher place. So that's what I think of in terms of, um, all of those medications it doesn't fix anything it just goes this is
0: where you're supposed
1: to start on a good yeah. day this is where you're supposed to start and everything else is going to still be up to you
0: i had a friend say to me once you know if your brain's not making the right stuff store-bought is fine yeah <laughs> dude well take I me back a little bit bread. farther on, on i don't
1: bake bread i buy bread because it's <laughs> way easier
0: let's uh, let's go back a little farther uh, I, like for how you got to where you are now um first of all where am i talking to you from
1: i am in los angeles uh north hollywood i am actually sitting in a, a recording studio that i run uh that's why hopefully this sounds good so i if it sounds yeah. bad then i really have big problems <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it sounds great. Uh, you know, I can see the uh, I can see the the SM7B kicking off in the corner there. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I mean, and we'll definitely have to get into your uh, your 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 scripted audio podcast thing um, because that's pretty amazing. But uh, are, are you from Los Angeles? Are you native Los Angelino? I'm originally from Seattle, Washington.
1: And uh, I love Seattle. Um, I went to school down in Orange County, which was a huge culture shock, which is kind of where all my mental stuff started. But I wasn't Mm. even aware of that until I graduated four years later. And then about, I wanna say a year or two after I graduated was when it clicked for me that I needed to go, hey, something's wrong um and i need to do something about it um and it's not i mean it's situational to a point but there's more to it than that um then i i lived in new york for uh, i lived in l.a for about four or five years i worked on a cruise ship for about a year then i moved to new york for about five years and then i moved back to la because i was able i got some stuff to start this kind of company that we're doing here and then i've been here since 2019 and then a pandemic happened (laughs) And uh, here we are,
0: (laughs) man. I am. I am very similarly in that boat. I I came to California by way of Denver, Colorado, uh, by way of Michigan. And uh, from from Colorado, I came here in February of 2020. So it was like two weeks later. It all locked down and for about 2 years i didn't leave my house. <laughs>
1: yeah. What what part of california?
0: Uh, i'm currently in Camarillo. Ooh. Yeah, it's lovely. It's uh it's it's close enough to LA that i can get in, uh but uh, far enough away that i can afford it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, i i i understand that i got very lucky because again, we started this mm. studio Less than a year, which is really about people coming into the building and you're trying to get clients, and uh, I'll get into all that later. But then, less yeah. than a year later, nobody was allowed to come into the building. Yeah. So I, and I was living in a back house um, with no kitchen. So <laughs> I, I very quickly had to be like, I need to get out of where I'm living and live somewhere good. And I moved into an apartment that was two blocks from the studio so I could walk here. Yeah. And, I also moved into a place that was more expensive than any place I'd ever lived. I had never lived like this. Uh, and I literally moved in with the thought of I wonder if I can do this, if I can serve if if I can afford this. Yeah. With no somehow my brain didn't freak out. It just went All right, screw it <laughs> I mean again, that was a lot that was it's a lot of work to get to that point after, you know, fifteen plus years of of working on it, but
0: well, but there's drive involved in something like that. And you know, you're a, you're a creative type. And so there tends to be a lot of drive involved in that as well.
1: Yes. And it also came down to, I had been basically in the freelance world for so many years. So my, you know, I went to school for theater. I went to school for acting. I'm an actor. That's what I did on the cruise ships. Uh, I've done it in New York, LA film, TV, uh, theater. Um, and then my day jobs were all kinds of things. I worked in a tea shop. I worked in um, a video game tester for a bit. Um, uh, I and and in New when I was in New York, because it was theater, I did a lot of technical theater. I built things. I built sets. I did sound. I did lighting. Uh, I I built a lot of stuff for fashion week shows and things like that. So it's all freelance. So it's all you know, starver. What is it, starver? Or yeah, feast,
0: feast, feast or whatever? famine. Feast or famine. I knew it was an
1: alliteration. <laughs> uh, so, I think that helped me, um, and be, in terms of just going, look, when I was doing a lot more of that uh, until about 20, I want to say like 2017, 2016, 2017. I, would, I was the person who was terrified to order a cheeseburger instead of a hamburger because the cheese cost 25 cents more. Yeah. Whether that was a rational thought or not, that's who I was. That's what mm-hmm. I was doing because I was so scared. Um, and then at some point, somebody just was, you know, somebody said, but, you know, why? Maybe, you know, jump in the net shall appear kind of thing. Like, you've been working consistently and making a living as freelance for so long. Why do you think it's going to, you know, why are you focused so much on that tiny thing? And then it just started getting a little easier with this, you know, trusting of, because I trust myself, you know, I'll walk into this, I never had any training with this studio, um, but I trusted I could figure it out with, you know, just my experiences of me, you know, Googling and YouTube and all this stuff and figuring all this stuff out. And someone's like well you trust yourself so much why do you trust that you won't be able to figure out the next these things get the fucking cheese yeah uh so i think that helped a lot when i was when the pandemic hit going you know what i figured it out before and this is what needs to happen and this is an amazing situation so let's just see what
0: happens Well, where does that kind of trust come from? I mean, other than trial and error, when you started out on this, on this path of deciding I'm going to be, you know, this, uh, uh, freewheeling freelancing artist type, uh, what was, what was the consensus amongst your support structure? Like, you know, family, friends?
1: Uh, you know, it changes throughout the years. Uh, And I will say, I think most artists, um, when they start, and I could be very wrong, but I would imagine most artists, unless you're the, you know, you read a lot of old authors who all become alcoholics and you're like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to suffer for my art. And Mm -hmm. I think most artists, actors, writers, they don't necessarily want to suffer for their art. They'd rather just have the art. Uh, if they're honest with themselves and you know I started as a you know in your teens 20s going you know it's going to be hard for like six months and then I'll I'll hit it big you know something like that yeah um, so you don't really think about it in that case but you know at the beginning I think your family and friends are all kind of come along with that as well and then they start getting scared and it's a perfectly legitimate reaction It's like, you know, at, you know, years in, my mom would start being like, look, can I help in some way to like, you know, what if you, what if you went back to school for something? Or, you know, what if, you know, what if you got certified in, in Pro Tools? Like, would any of that help? What, what can I do to help? Because she was scared because I was doing all this carpentry. She's like, you're going to get hurt at some point. You, you know, you can't do this forever. And, um, that is interesting because i can't get mad there's no point in getting mad at that because they are literally coming from a place of love they're coming from a place of like they're worried they're scared whatever's going on in their life um but you do find circles as an actor you you i went to school for acting and i'm still friends with a lot of the people i went to school with um in New York, I did a lot better uh, mentally and stuff in New York because it's just a very different city. But when you uh, when I left L.A. the first time, you know, my brain was, you know, and I then I came back for like a week and I was like, I hate my friends. So like a lot of the people I was hanging out with, they were wonderful, wonderful people, but yeah. it wasn't healthy for me. I wasn't in a good place where I could say no to people. I wasn't in, you know, I... I I decided that I was gonna. Every time somebody asked me if I wanted to go out, I'd say yes because it was better than sitting in my apartment, healthy-wise. Yeah, but then you you do have you know again with that growth over time and that self-awareness, you go, okay, what are the things that I do that are healthy or is better? Um, and then you surround yourself with those people, and you surround yourself, you know, that drive is very important. Um, and and I tell people who say they want to be actors all the time. I go, look, if you can do, if you can physically or mentally do something else, do that, because <laughs> it's 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 awful, you know. Yeah. Because it's you know, I I have I was the original Disney, uh, the original genie on Disney Cruise Line uh, for Aladdin. I was the first one I got cast. It was great. So and I and I'd say that not to brag, but to be like, look, I have some I have some skills behind me. Yeah. Well, I still have a very hard time getting representation. A lot of times it has nothing to do with talent. It has to do with, you know, opportunity versus readiness versus the culture versus do you look too much like somebody's ex who they hate, you know, yeah. and you have to be OK with the lack of control. Um, And that's a very hard thing to do, especially when your brain is already anxious and depressed. And you asked about friends and family. They want to, for me, everybody wanted to do anything that they could. It was just a lot of times they don't know what to do. So they try to do something and you're like, you don't realize you're making things worse. (laughs) You know, uh, like... You know, you're you're complaining to somebody. You know, you're complaining to your parent or a sibling or something about how hard it is, and they go, "Well, why don't you just try this?" And you're like, "Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, <laughs> I would. That's not. It doesn't work that way." So, it's it's a great place to be when it's great, and when you find a community that understands. You know, you. I have friends now. I can say this is how. You know, I'm feeling very. You know gray and nothing's wrong but it all feels terrible and they go I totally understand what you're talking about let's go yeah. get a falafel like the falafel's not going to make you feel better but it's going to make you feel better than sitting in your apartment doing nothing <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. that, that kind of thing when you find that it, it's very helpful and again I really I, I'm a big component of uh, a believer in that self awareness of I remember I was in New York and my meds I had started taking meds and I'll tell you about my meds journey at some point because it's it's not fun. Um, but I was walking down the street, and I had started feeling worse and worse and worse. And I remember walking down the street, and then at some point it clicked. I was like, oh, my God. I know this feeling. I know what to do about this feeling. I got to call a doctor and say, hey, something's wrong with the meds because this is this regression feeling. And it took a, a while to get to that that place. Yeah. But that self-awareness was like, oh. Right, I know this feeling. Oh, this is so exciting! It doesn't make me feel better, necessarily, <laughs> right. but it gives me uh, an actionable something.
0: Right, there's a box to put all of that in. It's like um, it's like when you've got chronic back pain, and it's just that's just how your back is. Yeah. Like you're just like that's just how I exist. I I compensate for it. I move differently for it. And you go about your life. You just do what you're gonna do. And you don't even really notice that there's a, a serious problem until one day you do, right? And then it's and then you really notice it when it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So so take me back. Take me back to that uh, that uh, uh, that time when you first discovered that. So so let's let's just dig right in. All right. Let's just get into it.
1: So. When I first this is even further back, when I first went to college, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was very stable and I felt very stable in Seattle. I had great friends. I, I could really do anything I could meld and go into any situation and I was very confident in my ability to talk to people and, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I had self-doubt as you all do. You're thinking like, oh do my friends really like me and all that stuff. But you know I, I felt good. I went to college the first week. And I have no idea why this happened. I still don't. I, you know, for the first semester or more, uh, first year two kind of thing, I felt sick every day I woke up. I, and, I, and then for the first week and a half, I would, you know, almost cry every day. And I had no idea what was going on. And I still don't. But I started using those coping mechanisms, like you were saying, and I realized that if I kept busy, it was better. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I oh I'll I'll throw this out there I'm very dyslexic, Um, it's just reading and spelling, Um, and I've been coping it with my whole life so I have ways to deal with it I don't, you know it's it's fine, Uh, it makes me actually incredibly intelligent, um, which is something that people are surprised at half of my brain I, I did a whole paper on it but half of like my I think the the left side of my brain is larger. Than normal and the right side is smaller than normal, which is what their dyslexia. So my you know, problem solving and all that stuff um is it can be much stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh reasoning, problem solving, puzzles, that kind of stuff. Um but that I, I say that to be like, well, I had to learn how to ask for help from a very early age. Um and, you know, you fight it a lot. I still fight it. Um and it's and it's frustrating because you know i send an email to somebody and they're like who the fuck is this stupid guy because yeah. i proofread it 12 times but i read what i know is supposed to be there not what's actually there and then they talk to me on the phone and they're like aren't you like 80 years old and very mature and i'm like no i'm not, no so um when i started having those problems in college i would go okay what do i do how what are anything that i can do and it was stay busy It didn't make me feel better all the time, but it made me focus on something else. So I Mm -hmm. I was in theater school. I would go to the the shop and just be like, what can I do? What can I build? You know, what do you need help with? And it got me further along in my whole existence at the theater. I I stage managed something the first week because I was feeling so bad. I went there and I said, hi. I introduced myself to all the professors and the, the tech people. And I said, I'm just here. What do you need? Let me know. And one of them was like, we just had a stage manager drop out. And we have a show in a week. Can you do that? I said, yes. I'm a freshman. Sure. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, I ended up getting back, you know, getting myself through and feeling better. Just, you know, I started dating somebody and that helped. I got some friends and that helped. Um, and then I got out of school. And... Uh, had some heartbreak stuff happen here and there and moved to la and all my best friends from college um a lot of them who I thought were going to move up to la with me didn't they moved to different places and I felt alone and I was like I'm fine I'm gonna go through this and then after uh, you know I started talking to people and they'd be like how are you doing and I'm like you know what I'm on the verge of a breakdown i'm I'm just waiting for it to happen I'm very excited for it to happen because I'm hoping that you can rebuild after that and people are like, okay, that sounds healthy. Um, so, yeah, and it, it was a year and a half in, or uh, two years after I graduated, because I also was working on other things with other people. I started producing with, um, and I was just trying to get up every day. That's what I was doing, and I was doing, you know, from the outside, I was doing very well. I was producing successful things. Um, I was I was getting cast in things, but I was having such a struggle. And I kept going, oh, it's because of this situational thing. Oh, it's because of this situational thing. And it wasn't. Um, I eventually got to the point. My uncle, I'm very lucky, is a psychiatrist. <laughs> and I hadn't talked to him about any of this stuff. But what I did was I called him and I go, hi, I need help. Can you send me somewhere? Can you tell me who to contact? He's like, oh, uh, well, I, you know, this is somebody who works. I've worked with. Try that. And I did. I'd never been to a psychiatrist or a uh, or a therapist, Um, and I didn't realize that there are different ones. It's very important (laughs) to find one you like. So I went to this guy for a while, and he put me on some medications. And you know, looking back, I wasn't super thrilled with him for a number of reasons, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I was supposed to feel. You know, Um, I went, I did the cruise ship, and on the cruise ship, I was required to stop taking medication um and it was totally fine uh there are very legitimate reasons for it it's uh you know some people are going to hear that and go what that's you know crazy <laughs> i i actually totally agree with you know a lot of the reasons for these things it has to do with you know mental health on a ship when you are going to be on a ship for seven months with nothing but water around you yeah. uh and and a lot and the ability to get medications and, and a lot of these things, it's really has to do with safety um, and I was fine. And you know, the the doctor was like, it's your thing. My parents had gone through a divorce and it was a thing. So they're like, look, this was situational for you. You They went through a divorce, you had these things happen, you're gonna be fine. And I went on the ship and I was fine uh, uh, for the most part. Um, heartbreak has a lot, is a big trigger for me. So a lot of the times I go into medication or go into it, initial thing is a heartbreak which yeah, just yeah. lays on top of everything and i don't know if it's actually the heartbreak or that relationship of some sort was a coping mechanism that went away you know so if yes. the coping mechanism is your blanket and somebody burns your blanket you're like oh my god you know everything went to hell um but i got back from the cruise i saw a different doctor he gave me different meds um i the, you know, the first week or two. Um, you know, I need to check in with him. And I called him and I said, something's wrong. And he goes, you know, it takes about two weeks for it to kick in. Everything can go worse before it gets better. And I go, I know. I just want to let you know this is how I'm feeling. And he's like, well, how do you feel? I go, I am not able to have emotions. He's like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, everything feels gray. I don't feel good. I don't feel bad. I was doing a play at the time, which was a godsend because I was... Um, busy. Uh, I mean, before the cruise ship, I was really bad. I I had had a project I was had working on almost stolen from me. I had been betrayed by you know people, and I got back and I was still dealing with that. But I just he goes, great. This is what you're feeling. It's called I can't remember what it's called, but he's like, there's a name for it. We're mm-hmm. gonna get you on different medications. I was like, blunt. Oh my affect. god. <laughs> I was like, the thing that I'm feeling makes perfect sense because I was like, I'm gonna call this guy and go, I feel gray. And, like, I can't have emotions. He's going to go, what? What the heck does that mean? But he knew. And so we mm-hmm. switched things up, and that was great. And, and things started balancing out. I moved to New York. Moved to New York. First day I landed in New York, my backpack was stolen that had my computer, passport, all this stuff. Uh, the girl, like within the first 48 hours, the girl that I was sort of seeing there wouldn't respond to me. Didn't break me, but wouldn't see me. The job that I had waiting for me turned out wasn't there anymore. So it was a very bad 48 hours. Yeah. Um, and so immediately I got on the phone with anybody I could and go, hey, I need to find someone to see out here. I went and saw one doctor who I didn't like. So I found another one. And every day it was literally just the struggle of getting up, getting out of bed, having, you know, something to do. I found I was able to get some jobs, a uh, construction jobs and stuff like that um, through some contacts I had. so it was theater and that saved my, saved my ass in terms of just being busy and the emotional stress of everything. I found a doc- I found a psychiatrist who I could talk to and every time, and it, the nicest thing was every time I felt bad, I would set up an appointment with them. And just the act of setting up an appointment made me feel better. I'm a very proactive person. And so it really is like, what, what is the one thing that I can do to help this situation along? Because I couldn't just sit there. I, I just couldn't physically just, again, with the dyslexia thing, it was like, how do I ask for help? What do I do to ask for help? Um, that person hooked me up with a, 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 a uh, that was a therapist, a psychiatrist who could prescribe meds. I loved her. I would see her once a month at first until we got the meds worked out. And then I finally, I started feeling better, uh, and it was amazing. Um, but it does, it can go bad for two weeks for the first two weeks of starting these meds Mm -hmm. and then you're adjusting and, and all of these things. I remember at one point I called my mother, it was, and, and again, you're adjusting levels for, you can be doing it for years. Um, And when I, like I said, when I was walking down the street that one time, I was like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I just suddenly go, oh, my God, this is how I felt before I started any meds. I know this feeling. I was so excited. I know this feeling. Got on the phone, called that doctor and was like, hey, something's wrong. And she's like, great. Come on in. We'll talk. We'll figure out the meds. And we just upped one thing or another or whatever. And I remember, you know, this is a really hard one, too, is that I called my mom once. Again, my mom is a lovely person. I'm going to say, you know, wonderful. <laughs> All yes. out of love. But I called her and I said, you know, I was telling her I was going through the things that, again, we were adjusting meds. So things take a downturn. They really can. Um, and I I said, you know, I'm, I'm having these visions that my brother's older than me by like three or four, uh, by like four years. And I was like, I'm having these visions. I'm going to have to go to my brother's funeral one day. And this is going to be so sad. Like, all these things. And she's like, okay, we got to get you off these meds. And I was like, no. That's not, not your line. line. <laughs> your line is... I was like, you know, your line is... every It gets bad. It can get bad for the two weeks. The doctors have told you this. You know, just... You know, if you can hold out, it's going to be Okay. That's her line. But again, she doesn't know. She hasn't been in these doctor meetings and blah, blah, blah. And she's just going, you know, her baby is having problems. And, and she just wants to do anything possible. So, again, that's that self-awareness of, you know, she's coming from love. It's not the right advice. I know that.
0: But, but people hard. do all kinds of things out of yeah. out of love and grief and fear.
1: And I do want to tell people... Um, this was my going through medication was over the course of 15 years. My brother started having problems at some point. He was going through a lot. He's a genius and it has comes with his own problems. Um, he called me one day and he's a doctor. He calls me one day. He goes, hey, what is the medication you're on? And I told him, he goes, great. Just, he's like, uh, that's what I need to take. And hangs up. <laughs> Not quite that aggressive, but almost because it, it DNA. DNA is and, and runs in families. Um, So he didn't have to go through that. And now they have DNA tests that will tell you which medications are more likely to work for you and at what dosages. (laughs) So if you're listening to this and going, oh, my God, I can't go through that. Don't worry. You don't have to. You don't have to necessarily go through all of this pain and stuff that I had to go through to, again, just uh, trial and error. It's not as bad as it used to be, and that is amazing, and DNA yeah. is fantastic. So that's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot, that's even probably a condensed version, but but that's, you know, <laughs> I'm on a I'm on medication now that that I feel good. And, and I went through a really bad time of going, I can't believe I'm going to have to be on this stuff for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I told that to my dad, who's also a doctor, and he goes, why? You know, what's so bad about that? And I was like, that is not your line. (laughs) (laughs) Your line is, this is just for now. You don't know what, if you're going to have to be on this forever. You have no idea what's going to happen. Just worry about the feelings you're having right now. Yeah. You know, maybe you'll be on it forever. Maybe you won't. It's not important. What's important is how you're feeling right now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. That, the, that whole idea of, you know, the finality of it. And again, tied in with the stigma of that's okay for other people, but not for me. You right. know, like almost as if there's some sort of personal failing in the idea that you've got yeah. to regulate something within yourself. But, you know, we don't, we don't get mad at diabetics for having to take insulin. Like,
1: no, <laughs> no. And, and again, I, I wouldn't, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, back then it would be like, Hey, I, you know, I'm on antidepressants. I'm going to have to be on the rest of my life. I wouldn't be like, well, oh, that sucks. Like, fuck you, man. It'd be like, great. Yeah. That's so good that you figured out how to feel better. But to me, it was, I couldn't say that to myself.
0: Yeah. Um, have you learned how to say that to yourself now? I mean, are, are how, where are you at, like, on a percentage scale of being comfortable? I'm way more comfortable. And you know what else?
1: I'm a fairly, because of the theater training, you really do have to do inner work and, I'm a fairly open person with stuff. A friend of mine the other day was complimenting me because he was like, you know, remember a couple of years ago we were at this party and I asked you how you were because your head was on the table and you just sat up and you go, like, I am not good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it does sound like me. I, I have a tendency to need to blurt things out about my feelings because if I'm like, you know, if I beat around the bush, I just won't say it. So it's more of like that. Um, and once you start talking about it, you realize how many other people are on medications or dealing with stuff. Um, and that was really nice to know. And then that now I can and, and I love that I can, you know, if I see some signs in other people who seem to be going through something, I can go, hey, uh, you know, how are you doing? And they, I can watch them sort of beat around the bush and I go, OK, are you feeling this, this, this and this and this? And they just, like, their eyes get wide and they're like, that's exactly the things that I'm feeling. I go, great, yeah, I have gone through that. I battle with that, this. And then sometimes they're like, well, yeah, I'm on these medications. And and I'm like, just knowing that it's more common is is helpful. Again, it doesn't, there's a difference to me, and this was a big thing for me, is realizing there's a difference between feeling something and knowing something. I can feel like things are never going to get better that I'm always going to feel like this. But I know that's not the truth because I have gotten out of this before. I remember in college, I fortunately have never gotten to the point of being suicidal. I've never, I I have never done, I've dealt with friends who have been, I've dealt with, uh, I've taken people to, you know, uh, 24-hour psychiatric holds. I have, you know, a lot of things like that. But, I remember in college, I got to the point, which was scary enough for me, I got yeah. to the point where I understood how somebody could be suicidal. And that was a big, like, uh, wake up. It wasn't a wake up, but but it. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was just very humbling or, you know, it, it helped me empathize with people going through stuff. Because up until that point, I never really understood how somebody could be suicidal. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm not, but I understand how someone could be.
0: You know what's funny about about suicide? Um, oh, well, that's a yes. weird sentence. So. <laughs> 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 the, the The thing, like for me, for example, my suicidality um, comes down to wiring. Um, it's, it's less uh, triggered by external events, although it can be, much like a depression, can be triggered by something that comes from the outside. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something that's just in you. Uh, you can be experiencing one of the best days of your life, and if a depression hits, like, you're, you're fucked. That's just what it is. You have to deal with it. You have to work with it. Um, you just have to. That's just the way it is. But with uh, with my suicidality, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and it was like, well, you could kill yourself or you could brush your teeth. Um, you know, you could kill yourself or you could go to work. And it, it just presented itself from a very young age as just... This is just a thing that your brain is going to deliver to you on a very regular basis. And it has nothing to do with anything. And it's it's and it can be regulated through behavioral therapy and through medication and things like that. I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, this is the first you caught me at a funny time because this is the first maybe week and a half, two weeks of my life where I haven't had a suicidal thought at all from the time I was five years old. Wow. And it's incredible. It's like people just walk around like this. (laughs) You can just go to target and spend a hundred dollars when you went to get milk. I mean, you can just do that and have a normal life. Like, okay, great. But, uh, but, but in with everything else too, um, you know, the the fact that you the fact that you were able to kind of push through, there's there's some mental things that are very, very helpful to a depressed person that you already had in place as a person who is working uh, at, you know, being an actor and yeah. um, and living with a level of uncertainty. It's like you had made peace with certain things and making peace with those things um was probably a big help. And those are the kinds of things that people, you know, such as myself, you have to start to get comfortable with the uncertainty of situations and uh, in order to start making peace with the idea of living and life. Yeah. And and, and (laughs) it took a while
1: to make peace with it. You know, it's not, it was not something that, you know, again, I look at myself now and really like myself a lot more now than I did years ago you know it's not that I was treated people badly or anything but I just feel I worked a lot on and honestly live theater helped with this a lot because Mm. I did live theater as an actor I did it as a stage manager I did a stage anything people would pay me for I would do and when things go wrong you can't panic you have to stay calm because if you panic your body doesn't work So I do this now. I I run, we do these live game shows here just for fun. And they start out, everything went wrong. And it's live. And nobody cares that it looks like, you know, that it's going all (laughs) haywire. The audience loves it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I have to, and running this studio, things would go wrong. And I would have to keep calm because if I didn't, my brain wouldn't work. You know, you go into this fight or flight place and you're like, well, I can't flight. But your brain is like, no, you're and you can't figure anything out. So it it takes it. It took a long time. And that's why I mean, like, I like myself now more than before because I don't panic as quickly. Um, And I've had, uh, you know, and and getting to that understanding in college was great because I've had a a few friends kill themselves. And it's very, very sad. Um, And sometimes it comes out of nowhere and. Um, I wasn't in this, you know, I was, you know, one was while I was on the cruise ship and I had no idea what to do. Uh, yeah. They weren't on the cruise ship. I got a phone call saying that, that something right. happened. Um. And, you know, people, there's a lot of things people say, and it's all their own coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. saying things like, you know, someone killing themselves is the most selfish thing you can do. And I'm like, I totally understand how your brain needs you to believe that for your right. own survival. Yeah. Where me knowing my friends, uh he had, you know, kids and his wife had had brain cancer and he was in mm-hmm. a he was in a religion where you know, he had known he was gay or bi for a very long time and the mm-hmm. religion was not okay with that and you know, things like this. I was like he literally believed. He got to the point where he believed that the world was better off without him it was not about Mm -hmm. um you know what is easiest for him it was what is best for his kids what is best for his family what is best for the you know the world that's what I think he believed at the very end it wasn't about relieving his own suffering it it was about relieving everybody else's because he thought he was that big a burden on the world yeah um and, you know, you know what else, else that at, can uh, be?
0: Huh. <laughs> like there are times when there. This is this is something that I've used and uh, uh, to talk to people when they say things like that, uh, just a, as an alternate perspective on the idea of you know suicide being selfish. Because at times I think that th- there's different forms of it. I mean there is altruistic suicide, like you know. Uh, 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 like Quan Duck uh, or, or um, Gandhi starving himself to death, uh, you know, like altruistic suicide. It's it's a thought process. You can disagree with it if you like, but you can under, begin to understand right. that there are different forms. But there's also uh, this idea sometimes that a suicidal person will get where it, it'll be like on 9/11 there were people who were in the buildings and the buildings were going to come down there was fire below there was fire above and people jumped because it was i'm in a burning building there's no other way out so i'm going to i'm going to go this way it's 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 like it's like, it's taking, like that thought know. process yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know you can feel like you're in a burning building you know your awareness might go away and you might not be able to see everything that's around you due to the chaos of the situation that you find yourself in and thinking clearly and breathing clearly and existing clearly is just out the window and it's not necessarily an act of selfishness so much as it is an act of self-preservation and that's not to condone it i'm not <laughs> you know no. i'm not i'm not advocating for it but but it is a way of understanding that you know yeah. people can find themselves in all kinds of situations and once you can understand a situation better you can begin to recognize what's going on when you see it in other people
1: yeah and, and you know in that in that case they go i cannot control anything except when i exit you know yeah. Yeah. you know so people with chronic illnesses or you know that's why people have the conversations about assisted suicide because of that same same idea again that's that's more of a like they're on their way out and it's going to be very painful. Um, but, you know, they get to control something. Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, there are stories of people going, oh, you'll be sad when I'm gone and, and hurting themselves or killing themselves because they want to affect other people. I mean, there are all different reasons for things. And I always think it's weird when someone says it's the most selfish thing ever. Cause I'm like, well, you say that because you think that they're not considering everybody else. But you say that because you're only considering how it's affecting you. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, they're family and stuff. I go, yeah, but are you, is, isn't is it really about, like, how you think about you? You're, you're not thinking about that person at all. And that seems like the point of selfish, like the definition yeah. of selfish of you going they don't understand how they affect other people go well you don't understand you don't seem to be trying to understand any other way so why don't you take an onion eat it and shut the hell up (laughs) that's that's what i think
0: (laughs) well let's uh, let's do this because i i mean this conversation has been amazing and i i could talk to you forever about everything and i'd love to hear all of the yeah. stories about cruise ships that you've got in the world but uh <laughs> but tell me about the podcast that's uh, yeah. I, I really want to hear about the podcast
1: so what i do is is and and the people here we create um audio series is what i call them it's their podcast because it's a distribution platform but it's not like a talk right. show it's full cast full sound effects original music original scripts it's really a blockbuster movie for your mind. Um, And uh, it's called the the, the most current one is called car serum. And actually um, we have, we have amazing people in it. My partner, Bill Holmes is incredible. And he's been in the voiceover world for a very long time. And so he knew a lot of voiceover actors as well. He came up with them. And, but we somehow got people like Jane Lynch, uh, mm-hmm. Neil Flynn, who's the janitor on Scrubs. Uh, uh, Porky Pig, uh, Bob Bergen, um, Maurice LaMarche, and Rob Paulson, who are Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got four different Ninja Turtles. Robbie Rist, who was a Ninja Turtle. He was also Cousin Oliver. He was also Doc Mc- uh, in Doc McStuffin. I mean, uh, I could go on and on and on and on. Uh, uh, Cameron Crowe is in this somehow. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> it's, so, and we we've we started working with the American council of the blind because they are like, this is literally made for the blind. We're like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's made. And we've had people say things like I was born blind. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm not missing anything, which just makes you want to cry. So that's what we do. We do uh, these, these, you know, immersive audio sound, design so this one is called car serum it's um a mix between like game of thrones and princess bride or or lord of the rings and princess bride a lot no incest so more like lord of the rings <laughs> um spoiler alert there's no incest
0: um well you know there's no river doesn't have a bend in it i mean who knows what go. the future could bring
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point here's a question for you is a waterfall just a gravitational river I mean, (laughs) just saying. Yeah, isn't it? There's no, yeah. There's no up and down in space. So anyway, uh, that's a very stupid thought that I just had. Um, So, so that's what that's what the podcast is. Um, And you know, it when the pandemic hit, we had raised a little bit of money to to um, do it. So I was able to work on that the entire time. And I got to tell you. You know, you hear these stories about entrepreneurs and it being very mentally um, draining on them. And you, you know, when within the community you hear of like an, a major entrepreneur killing themselves, the celebrity entrepreneurs are not the people to give you a, an, a, an accurate version of what it's like to run your own business or to be an entrepreneur. I got to tell you. Um, You know, you see these people on TikTok or YouTube and they might be going through things, but it's really dangerous to me. Um, I read a lot of articles because before I started doing this about how mentally challenging it is and all these things. So I was trying to be very aware of things, of feelings and things to do. Um, It is. It is hard because for the first, you know, if you've worked at a company before, you wake up and you're like, okay, if I don't go in, I'm going get to get in trouble. Now, if I don't get up and come in, no one's going to be mad at me, but I've lost a day. That was one of the things that always got me moving when I was in my lowest of the lows was in a week, if you start feeling better, you're going to be upset that you lost a week. Um, and there's a balance between self-care and those thoughts. Again, it doesn't make mm-hmm. me feel better, but it's something I can know versus feel, and I can act upon. Um, life is very hard.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I, I yeah. think I think you said it. Uh, life is very hard. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Uh, <laughs> this will be the last episode. We <laughs> finally be the last figured one. it out.
0: Yep. Well, uh, I, I thanks for talking to me today. I really appreciate it, and uh, I love the podcast. My wife and I just listened to the first episode. We're gonna we're gonna continue to listen oh, to it. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm so glad. Thanks for talking to me.
1: Uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, and if you ever want me to come back, I've very much enjoyed it. I didn't realize how long we had been talking, but I think I think that this kind of podcast is very very important, and I hope so many people listen to your show because. Uh, It's important And even if you don't su- su- you know, Suffer from some of the stuff we talk about Again I think Understanding Is very important I always had people tell me Oh you're depressed? Well go for a run Go work out <laughs> yeah, And I was like yeah. you don't understand that my form of depression Is ruminating So my brain is just going So if I yeah. go for a run You're telling me to literally be alone With the only thing that's causing me pain <laughs>
0: Yes. so I'm oh not going to do that. Thank you for saying that because yeah. that is, I, I've never heard anyone but me say that out loud. So. <laughs> I will get it on business cards. There it is. Because it is, uh,
1: yeah. So I think it's what you're doing is very important.
0: Thank you. Wasn't that amazing? I told you, he's a genuinely good dude. I really love the conversation. I wanna have him back. I I wanna talk to him some more. We barely scratched the surface, I feel like. But if you want some more Shane, and I know that you do, go ahead and get yourself over to shanesalkproductions.com and find out everything that's going on, including get the information on Car Serum, which is available in all of your favorite podcasting apps. As for me, You can find me each and every Friday right here on this podcast. Tell your friends, tell everybody, share the episodes online. Tell me what it is you'd like to see. Info at coffeeoversuicide.com. But until next week, don't kill yourselves out there.